Stars and millions around the world are in shock over the execution-style murder of designer Gianni Versace, shot to death at point-blank range on the steps of his Miami Beach villa. Hundreds of leads are, in fact, being traced as we speak. Thousands of flyers have been distributed throughout this community and the nation, on the Internet, on television, in newspapers, across the globe, Andrew Cunanan is in fact a marked man. You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Giovanni Maria Versace was born on December 2nd, 1946 in Italy. He grew up with his brother Santo, sister Donatella and his parents, Francesca and Antonio. He and his siblings were particularly close, made even more so when they tragically lost their older sister Tina. Gianni adored his mother. She was a talented dressmaker and he became immersed in her creative world from a young age. He made his first dress aged just nine years old, a striking blue one-shoulder gown. He didn't know it at the time, but this very dress would be worn by Diana, the Princess of Wales, 40 years later. He worked as an apprentice in his mother's sewing business and threw himself into the world of design, colour and art. Heavily influenced by Greek history and mythology, as well as artists like Andy Warhol and Roy Lichtenstein, His ideas about fashion were unique and filled with bold prints and exciting statements. Age 26, he moved to one of the fashion capitals of the world, Milan, to work in design and immerse himself in fashion. He became the designer for several well-established fashion houses. People loved his work and creative flair and he was encouraged to work on his own collections for women. He presented these at the Palazzo della Permanente Art Museum and put together his first fashion show just months later. In 1978, he opened up his first boutique at the age of 32, and the sky was the limit for him. After this, he began building the empire that would ultimately become the internationally recognised Versace fashion brand. His brother Santo became president of the company, with his younger sister Donatella acting as vice president. The famous Versace logo depicting Medusa's head came from the floors of some of the ruins that Gianni and his siblings used to play in as children. It was an ambitious, family-run fashion business, with Gianni firmly at the helm and having full creative control of the company. By 1982, Versace was working on more than clothes, jewellery, handbags and purses, and homeware textiles. The brand was now rapidly expanding. It was in this year he met model Antonio Diamico. The spark was instant and they started a relationship which would last 15 years. Gianni understood the power of celebrity, and loved to use famous faces as walking adverts for his designs. He was friends with people such as Diana, Princess of Wales, Eric Clapton, Madonna and Michael Hutchins, to name a few. He is credited as having discovered models like Naomi Campbell and Linda Evangelista, consistently working with them on ad campaigns as well as on the runway. He adored theatre and spent a lot of his career making costumes for various performers in shows. Working with everything from operas and ballets to clothing for music videos, Gianni embraced all aspects of fashion and never limited himself to any one area. 
He designed clothing for Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney's 1983 hit song Say 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 and worked with Elton John to create the costumes for his 1992 world tour. He was recognised as being someone that brought together the worlds of fashion and music in a whole new way. October 21st, 1990. Gianni was working in San Francisco having designed some costumes for the opera when he bumped into a man named Andrew Kananen, whom Gianni seemed to recognise from somewhere. The exact events of this meeting remain unclear, but witnesses claim there was a definite encounter between the pair. His sister Donatella disputes this and denies they ever met. What was for certain is that Kananen developed a dangerous obsession with the fashion designer, one which would ultimately lead to the death of Gianni Versace. In 1993, Versace was diagnosed with a rare form of ear cancer. While he battled the cancer successfully, it had taken a physical toll and he started to delegate some of the business responsibilities. Despite this, in the mid-90s, he was still at the top of his career. Iconic Versace designs such as Elizabeth Hurley's safety pin dress, Princess Diana's purple gala gown and Naomi Campbell's Andy Warhol pop art statement piece put the Versace brand at the top of the fashion industry. Gianni purchased a villa for just under $3 million, and a year later he bought the adjoining hotel to extend the sprawling property. 6am, a hot summer's day on July 15th, 1997. Always the early riser, Gianni woke up to begin his day. He made several business calls to Milan, then set off on a morning walk around Miami Beach. Usually surrounded by a large entourage, on this particular day he walked alone. He made a stop to buy some papers and a copy of Vogue, and grabbed a takeout coffee. Around 8.45am he was back home and was looking for his house keys in his pocket when a dark-haired man in shorts and a baseball cap came rushing up to him. A single shot was fired and Gianni Versace fell on the steps of his home. A second shot was fired at him as he lay on the floor and the shooter quickly ran away from the scene being chased by one of Gianni's neighbours. But the shooter was fast and he sped off into the busy morning rush of Miami Beach. The ambulance quickly arrived and he was rushed to the Jackson Memorial Hospital. But tragically, just after 9.20am, Gianni Versace was pronounced dead. A manhunt was now on for the shooter and it didn't take long for the police to identify him. It was Andrew Kananen, a man the FBI had actually been searching for for months already. Kananen was a serial killer who adopted different looks and names to carry out a string of brutal murders across a three-month period. He had moved to the Miami Beach area a couple of months before with his next victim in mind. Kananen was noted as being a prolific and compulsive liar throughout his life, forever exaggerating events and fabricating stories. His childhood was undoubtedly troubled, and it is thought that he had undiagnosed personality disorders. In 1988, when Kananen was 19, his stockbroker father abandoned the family and moved to the Philippines to avoid being arrested for embezzlement. That same year, his mother, who was deeply religious, discovered Kananan was gay, and this sparked a terrible argument in which he threw his mother against the wall, dislocating her shoulder. Kananan was obsessed with living a lavish lifestyle and began dating wealthy older men to help fund his dreams. He was also dealing opioids and cocaine, as well as abusing painkillers, methamphetamine and alcohol himself. He never settled in any one place, and often upped and left, creating a new identity as he did so. He had huge financial troubles with large amounts of debt across multiple credit cards, 
and he used his relationships with wealthy men as a way of supporting himself and the upkeep of his fake lifestyle. His first victim was 28-year-old Jeffrey Trail, whom he murdered in Minneapolis in April of 1997. Trail and Kanaan briefly dated, and when an argument with Trail ensued, Kanaan stole his gun and took it to an apartment belonging to David Madsen. David Madsen was also an ex-lover, and Kanaan became jealous and paranoid over Madsen and Trail's friendship. Kanaan phoned Jeffrey Trail from Madsen's apartment, telling him he had his gun. When Trail arrived, Kanaan beat Trail to death with a hammer in front of David Madsen and then fled with Madsen across the state. Just two days later, co-workers found Trail's body rolled up in a rug behind the sofa. A duffel bag nearby gave police their first lead. On May 2nd, witnesses saw Madsen and Kanaan driving and eating lunch together just north of Minneapolis. David Madsen's body was discovered a day later near a lake in Rush City, Minnesota. He had been shot with the gun Kanaan had stolen from Jeffrey Trail. Although police initially suspected that David Madsen may have been involved with the murder of Jeffrey Trail, it became obvious that he was being held hostage by Kanaan. Just a day later, and after fleeing to Illinois, he found his third victim, 72-year-old real estate tycoon Lee Miglin. It remains unclear how they met, but police don't believe it was a random attack. Kanaan bound Miglin's hands and feet and wrapped his head with duct tape. He proceeded to stab him more than 20 times with a screwdriver, as well as slitting his throat with a hacksaw. He then stole his green Lexus LS Sudan and took off. When police realised that Miglin's car had been stolen, they also found David Madsen's red Jeep parked on the same street. The Jeep had a car phone inside, and using evidence from the phone, they began to piece together a timeline of events and locations. Kanana had also been picked up on CCTV with David Madsen, as they left the apartment building where Jeffrey Trail had died, and police knew that this was their only suspect. In New Jersey on May 9th, Kanaan shot dead a cemetery caretaker, William Reese. A kind and loving family man who was dedicated to his job, Reese was killed completely at random. Police speculated that he was shot purely because Kanaan wanted to steal his red Chevrolet pickup truck. When police arrived on scene, they noted that the same gun had been used, and they knew instantly it was Kanaan. On May 12th, he checked into the Normandy Plaza Hotel in Miami Beach, paying a month in advance in cash. Living in Miami until the middle of July, he remained undetected and unnoticed. With the police having no luck in locating him, Andrew Kanaan was added onto the FBI's 10 Most Wanted Fugitives list. He had killed four people in 12 days and there seemed no end to his rampage. Posters of his many looks and names were printed and put up everywhere. Kanaan was so confident he wouldn't get caught, he pawned a gold chain he had stolen from one of his victims in a nearby shop. He filled out the form with his real name and current address, even showing his ID and leaving a thumbprint on the document. As required by law, a copy of this document was given to the police but for whatever reason, nobody picked up on this, and his name, quite literally, went to the bottom of the pile. On July 14th, Kanaan left the hotel. He spent a night on the town visiting local bars and even telling someone on the dance floor that he was a serial killer, playing it off as a joke. Early morning, July 15th, he headed to Gianni Versace's residence armed with the same gun he had stolen and waited for the fashion icon to emerge. He fled to hide out on a houseboat about two miles away from Gianni's house. When the police discovered William Reese's truck in a parking garage near Versace's house, 
It was filled with Kanan's clothes and newspaper articles of the murders he had committed. It was clear that he relished the notoriety. Police suspected he was in the houseboat for several days. Kanana knew the police were closing in on him and he was now the most wanted man in America. Over 1,000 agents were looking for him and it was one of the biggest manhunts in history. On July 23rd, a caretaker stopped by to check up on the empty houseboat, not knowing this was the boat concealing the fugitive. When he found him inside, he ran and phoned the police immediately. He heard a gunshot from inside and reported to police that he had found Kananan and a shot had been fired. A SWAT team responded within minutes and waited outside watching the boat for almost two hours. We have more of our continuing live coverage of the possible sighting of serial killer or suspected serial killer Andrew Kananan in Miami. And let's go to the Satellite Center. Brendan Keefe standing by with the very latest. Brendan. Al, we have more live pictures just into Eyewitness News. We're going to go to those pictures now. They show the scene here in the Miami Beach area. You're actually looking at the coastline right here. And they will have some close-up shots in just a moment of the houseboat that SWAT teams, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, and the Florida Marine Patrol have surrounded. That houseboat, it is believes has a robbery suspect inside hold up and it is also reported that that robbery suspect fired on a caretaker there at this particular houseboat you're looking at right now once again the police have this entire block cordoned off there are uh, marine units from the florida marine patrol also ground units from the swat team miami beach police metro dade county police also there all surrounding waiting to see whether they're going to have to move in it's unclear right now whether they're in a standoff situation or whether they're in contact with the man inside the house. The media were out in force as well, filming the events live as they unfolded. There was no reaction from Kananan, so the SWAT team threw tear gas onto the boat and stormed it. They found Kananan's body on the bed upstairs in the master bedroom. He had shot himself. He left no suicide notes and no explanation for anything he had done. Andrew Kananan's rampage was a vicious and brutal one, and the residents of Miami breathed a sigh of relief when it was all over. Kananan left a trail of destruction behind him, and the police will never know the full extent of the events that took place over the previous months, possibly even dating back earlier. His father, Modesto, was eventually tracked down to his hideout in the Philippines, but had nothing to say. Around 2,000 people attended Gianni's memorial in Milan, and the amount of lives he had touched with his talents and warm personality was clear for all to see. Some of his stores dressed their mannequins in black to mourn his passing, and Versace's work was honoured by a posthumous exhibit at the Costume Institute of the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. From his humble beginnings, Versace created a fashion empire. It is now one of the most recognised names in the world. Capri Holdings, formerly known as Michael Kors Holdings Limited, acquired the Versace brand in 2018 for just over $2 billion. Donatella and Santo Versace are still heavily involved in the company, with Donatella as artistic director and Santo as chairman and president. The CEO is now Jonathan Aykroyd. Gianni Versace was a gifted and creative visionary who changed the course of fashion and design, he argued against the fashion norms and carved out a new path for designers to follow for years to come. His work was undoubtedly iconic, and his place in history can never be overlooked, and he will surely never be forgotten. <laughs>